Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27? This is our text for a four-week series that is called Christ in You, the Hope of Glory. Christ in You, the Hope of Glory, or Christmas in Memphis. Look at your screens here, and let's just read this out loud. It's just seven words. Ready? Read. Christ in You, the Hope of Glory. Say it again. Christ in You, the Hope of Glory. Of glory, And we talked about last week and introduced this, that Christ in you is the hope. Sometimes we'll say, Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit over the city of Memphis. Lord, we pray that you'd pour out your spirit over the, the, uh, the nation. But you know, God just doesn't pour out his spirit over buildings or over things or over special places. But he pours out his spirit over people. And really, when you want a move of God, you really want a move of God in the hearts of people. You know why Jesus loves Memphis? I, you know, I think Jesus loves Memphis more than any other city. I mean, that's just the way, I, that's the, just kind of the way I feel. But you know, you know why Jesus loves Memphis? Because of the people in it. It's not just the city. He loves the people in it. And he wants to do revolutionize every heart and see every heart have hope and see every heart experience miracles and the love of God and the life of God. So we say it, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we went over last week that the word Christ in the Greek is Christos. And that actually comes from the Hebrew word Messiah or Messiah. Okay, where people were looking for a Messiah. And Messiah literally means the anointed one. And when we say the anointed one, the word anointing, I know sometimes people can, we can hear it in church and say, oh, he's anointed or she's anointed. Anointed, what does anointed mean? Uh, anointed m- means just to put on or to rub in. That's all anointing means. Like you can anoint your hands if you're, if you're ashy. <laughs> right? You can, you can anoint your hands. You can anoint, you know, I was telling you last week that my wife said, your elbows are dry. And so I anointed my elbows with some lotion or some salve or something and made sure that they weren't dry anymore. Your hands are dry. Well, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So it's important to know that when we talk about Christ, the word Christ literally means the anointed one. When we're talking about Christmas, it literally means that Christ, the anointed one, is here in this city in the hearts of people. That's what we're praying. So it's important to know anointed with what? Anointed with, say, the Holy Spirit. And anointed for what? He anoints you for a purpose. Well, every person in this place has a calling. Every person in this place, God has given you something, a purpose for your life. And do you know that there's only, I believe statistically they said only 87% of people live and die and don't know what it is that God's anointed them for or called them to. And so they're constantly living life to try to find purpose, to try to find a reason for living. But Jesus came to this earth and he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, it says in Luke, heal the brokenhearted, bring deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind or those who've lost vision, set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year or the favor of the Lord. Jesus was anointed to do that. 
And can I tell you, if he was anointed to do that to those people back there, Jesus is anointed to do that over the city of Memphis. Amen? Jesus is anointed to do that over your household. Jesus is anointed to do that over your house. If you're dealing with any of those things, the spirit of the Lord that's on Jesus, that lives on the inside of you, is anointed to break every stronghold, to deliver every person that's in bondage, to heal every person who's dealing with sickness. That's what he's here for. So last week was our first message. We talked about Christ, our bread. What was it about? It's about fulfillment. That if you have Jesus living on the inside, you won't be hungering and thirsting and looking for other things to satisfy you. It's actually a sign that Jesus is inside of you as you'll have fulfillment on the inside. I still haven't found what I'm, well, you, you need Jesus on the inside if you haven't found what you're looking for, right? If you haven't found what you're looking for, you haven't found what you're looking for because you're so hungering and thirsting after something, really, after someone named Jesus on the inside. That's why we need Jesus, the hope of the world. He's not just an option. He's the only option that we have. So today, we're going to talk about Christ, our life, being Baptism Sunday. And some of you might say, well, I know all about this. Well, if you know about it, I'm telling you, it's exciting. I want you to know more about it. But I'm going to give you six things, six questions, actually, about why Christ Jesus the anointed one in our life really matters. Why is this? Number one is why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? Did Jesus come to start a church? Did Jesus come to just improve humanity or to help social justice or to give us a code of conduct to live? No, Jesus came for one purpose. And what is that? In John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, I have come, this is why Jesus came, that they may have life, can you say out loud the word life? I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. More abundantly means not just barely breathing. I've got life. I'm still alive. No, more abundantly. Or one version says life to the full. Life overflowing. Life overflowing with joy. Overflowing with hope. Overflowing with peace. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. There's something about new life in our lives. There's just something about it. I want to show you a, a couple pictures here. In fact, would you put up that first picture? This is something in my life. This is November the 6th, 2002. Now, why do I remember that date? That's 2002. That was 16 years ago, November the 6th. Why? Because it was my first son, Tiffany and I's first son, Name's Miles James Dearman, and it was when his new life came into this place. So I remember the date, and you know, every year on, on November the 6th, every year we celebrate the new life. Why? Because there's something about someone being born. We're just talking about physical life here. There was another picture here. This was June the 23rd, 2004. This is my second son, David Jr., and uh, every year we celebrate, and every year I think he asks for shoes. But we celebrate him and buy him shoes, and every year his feet are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, okay? So, uh, but that's we celebrate. And, we, and I remember the date because I remember the life because it's meaningful. Then we have our next person here. You can see this is Jake. This was on May the 16th, 2006. Why does that date mean something to me? Because a new life was born. A new life was brought into the world on that date. And you can see how, you know, in Miles is looking over. He's, you know, six years or four years old. He's looking over his son. He's looking at this new life. Everybody's fascinated with new life. And that's just physical life. 
but it's a representation of our spiritual life. Sometimes we don't see spiritual life, so we're not fascinated with it or enamored with it. But look at that. Look at just the wonder in his eyes. Oh, look at that. I think one of them asked me, how long is he going to stay? You know, and I said, uh, well, they're going to stay, you know, forever. Well, where are they going to (laughs) sleep? Well, you're going to need to move rooms because there's a new life in the room. There's so many examples of physical life and spiritual life. And then we have our fourth baby here was on uh, February the 8th. Look at that mom. Does she look any older? No. February the 8th, 2014, there's our baby Zoe right there. But I remember those dates. Why do I remember those dates? I remember those dates because I remember the life. But I want to remind you here. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus said this. He said, there's more joy in heaven when one lost sinner repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have never strayed away. What is he saying we're doing? We're celebrating new life. There's something about new life that brings new energy to the family. There's something about new life that brings new energy to heaven. All of heaven rejoices over one life than over the one who just, you know, stayed, stayed the same. That's why I remember those dates. Those were new life in my life. So number two, why do I need new life? Why do I need new life? I'm already alive. You know, that's why Jesus is irrelevant to a lot of people. You tell people you need Jesus, and they go, why? I already have a good life. I already have life. I'm already alive. You need to be alive in Jesus. I'm already alive. I've got a spouse or, or you know, girlfriend or boyfriend, or I've got, a, you know, a place to live. I've got a good car. I've got a good, you know, plans for my life. Why do I need Jesus? Because I already have life. That's kind of the question that Nicodemus asked here in John chapter 3. What did he say? John 3 says, unless one is born again, he cannot see. Can you say he cannot see? Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What is he saying? You can't see physical earth until you're born physically. And you can't see God's kingdom until you're born spiritually. That's why it's so difficult, even useless, to try to get an unbeliever to understand spiritual things. You can argue with them and argue with them and argue with them and argue with them, but facts don't get people into heaven. A revelation of Jesus Christ is what gets people into heaven. So that's why we're praying that Jesus would be revealed. Remember Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You come to the Lord because the Father in heaven or the Spirit of God reveals Jesus to people's hearts. That's why when you're praying For people who don't know the Lord, pray that Jesus would be revealed in their lives. Why do I need life, he said. Unless one's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can one be born when he is old? That's kind of the question. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nick was thinking about physical birth. I've already been born. How can I be born again? That sounds kind of weird. I'm already on earth, I'm already living, I'm already talking to you, and you say I need to be born again. I don't really get, because he's only thinking about one dimension, and that's the physical world. But can I tell you, there's a world that's not only as real, but more real and more eternal than our physical flesh world, and that's the spiritual world. If people are not aware of their spiritual life, then they never know that they need Jesus. You know, uh, I was talking to a man here in Memphis just a few weeks back, and I said to him, do you know Jesus as the Lord of your life? And he said, no, no, I don't really get into all that stuff. 
And I said, what do you mean, you know, stuff? And he said, well, you know, religion and, and faith and all that kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, it can get weird. You know, I admitted that. Don't you admit it can get weird? Yeah. Yeah, it can, I said, yeah, it can get weird. It can get, you know, into control and it can get in all this kind of stuff. I said, I, I don't like that kind of stuff either. He said, oh, oh well, I, I, what, were you, what are you asking me? I said, well, let me ask you. I said, um, how are you doing, you know, with, in, in your heart on the inside? He said, well, I'm doing good. I feel good. And, you know, things are going well. I said, what about, you know, after this? And he said, what do you mean after this? I go, like after you die. What, what about that? He said, you mean like eternal, like eternity in, in heaven and hell and all that? And I said, yeah. How are you doing with that? He said, well, I just figure I'll deal with it then. And I said, well, you know, well, that's kind of a, you know, don't most people kind of think that? I'll just live and die and kind of deal with it when it comes up. But can I tell you, uh, you can't deal with it then. You have to deal with it now. And I said, well, you know, according to the Bible, which you may or may not believe, according to the Bible, the decisions you make here in this life depend, you know, that, that's really what counts on where you're going to go after life. And he said, yeah, I don't know if I believe that. I said, yeah, but that isn't, is that a big risk to take? How big of a risk is that to take? What if, just, just suppose with me, what if it is real? What if, what if you do die and go to hell for eternity? Is that a big risk to take? He said, man, yeah, it's a big risk to take. I said, well, could you do me a favor, you know, because I met you and I'll count you as a friend and would you think about it? Think about what? Think about eternity. Don't think about this life. In this life, you can kind of skate your way through and kind of make it and make sure that you, things are worked out. But think about eternity. You're not responsible for people you don't know or that you don't have influence over. But can I tell you, we do have a responsibility to, the, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, to people that you come into contact with, to help them to just ask the question about eternity. To just help them to ask the question, not about their physical life like I showed you on the screens, but the spiritual life like I can't show you on the screens. That's something that's deeper and it's something that's much more eternal. So Nicodemus was thinking about this. He said, how can one be born when he's old? How can that happen? Jesus said in verse 5 in a response, he said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Can you say water? And say, and the Spirit. See, that's two births. Unless you're born of water and the Spirit. Now, some may teach this as, say, born of water and think, well, that's baptism. And, and that's why, you know, you might baptize as a baby or baptize as other things. But Jesus didn't mean that. And I'll tell you, that's not just my interpretation. Jesus actually interprets what he just said. Listen to him. He says, unless one's born of water and of the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. What he's talking about is a physical birth, which all of us are, you know, aware of. But I remember when we were first pregnant, we were first going to have our very first baby that the, we went to this, what is it called, Lamaze class or whatever, whatever it was. We went to this and they, they said, we said, we don't know what to do. And they said, well, it'll just happen. And I said, well, we don't know what, what do I do? Like, what do I do? And they said, you've already done your part. You just, you just kind of when, when, but here's what they did say. When your water breaks, see that which is born of the water and of the spirit. When the water breaks, make sure to get her right in. And then we had to time the contractions and do all those kinds of things. Why? Because before the baby was born, the baby was surrounded by water. 
right? It was protected. So Jesus says here, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, the, the baptism is, is a baptism of the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit came upon Jesus. There was actually water involved in the baptism of the Spirit as well. Came upon Jesus when he before his ministry. It says, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, and I want us to all say these five words out strong, what Jesus said. You must be born again. Come on, say it again. You must be born again. What is he saying? He's saying you must have two births. Every person must have two births. Well, what if I'm just born of the spirit? Nope. You gotta be born of the water of your mama, and you've got to be born of the Spirit in order to be born again. Spirits can't be born again. They were never born. Spirits can't be born again. Angels can't be born again. We have something that angels don't have. Angels can't be born again. They were never born to this earth. So he says you humans must be born Again, first born of the water of the flesh, physical birth. Second born of the spirit, spiritual birth. This is why, though, that Jesus is irrelevant to a lot of people. is because they're only thinking about one birth. I already have life. I'm already alive. Things are already going well. Well, but they're not thinking about the spiritual birth. So number three, what is spiritual life? What is spiritual life? Look at John 3, 16. We all know the verse. Let's say the verse out loud. Ready? Read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Say the word life. Have everlasting life. Jesus came to this earth for one reason. It's so that you can have spiritual life. It's the only reason he came, so that you can have spiritual life. That word life in the Greek is literally the word zoe. Zoe. Z-O-E. The Greek word is translated life, and it literally means the God kind of life or life as God has it. The God kind of life or life as God has it. Can I tell you, God wants you and I to have life as he has it. That's why we weren't born of an animal. We were born of God. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, he said. Are we God? We're not God. He's God. He reserves that right for himself. But we're born in his image. We're born in his likeness. And when sin tried to take away life, Jesus said, I'm going to come back down to the earth for one reason. I'm going to give them the life back. I'm going to give them the life that they were created to have back. And they, but they, in order to get it, they have to be born twice. They have to be born again. So this word Zoe means the God kind of life as God has it. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, say it out, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where is the life found? It's found in Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life. Let me say, the nature of God. This everlasting eternal life that Jesus came to give us is the nature of God. John chapter 5 and verse 26, Jesus says, For as the Father has life, in himself, so he is granted the Son to have life in himself. Why did Jesus come? So that we would have life. In John chapter 1, verse 4, we start to see what this new life will do for us. John chapter 1, verse 4 says, In him, in who? In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. Notice, light. Life became light, was the light 
of men. Light stands for development. In fact, afterwards it says that the people who didn't have light, they walked in darkness because they didn't have development. Light stands for development. In other words, in him was life, and the life was the development of men. Receiving eternal life is the most miraculous incident in life. We call it the new birth. Some call it getting religion. You ever heard that? Maybe you've said it. But that's really not what it is. The new birth is God imparting his very nature, substance, and being into our spirits. God didn't have an angel reproduce us and say, just give him what you have or have someone else give him what you have. God said, let's give him what I have. Let's give him the life on the inside of me. And let's, when you're born again, you, all of the attributes that I have, all of the things that I have on the inside, the joy, the peace, it's really called the fruit of the spirit. All the things that I have on the inside, it's now your spirit is reborn. When every, each one of our kids were born, they were born with all of the parts that they're going to have the rest of their life. Now, they were small, and they developed. You know, sometimes you look and you say, man, that, that, that baby has little ears, right? They'll grow. You're not going to keep those little bitty ears, right, after years. They'll grow. And that's the same thing that happens in our, in, in our lives. When our spirits were reborn, we have everything that we need for the rest of our lives. That's why we don't say, God, give me more love. We already have love. God, give me more joy. We already have joy. It's just got to grow. It just has to develop. Just like physical things have to develop, spiritual things have to develop. And that's why you and I are here this morning. So the new birth is God imparting his very nature or substance into our, and being into our human spirits. New creation. New creation. Talked about it this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Say that with me. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Continue. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, this is the miraculous recreating of man. It's taking man and bringing everything on the inside, making it new. Not the body. Our out, the body is our outward man. And sometimes our, our, our spirits have been reborn and nothing changes. You look in the mirror, you look the same. If you were handsome and pretty before you were reborn on the inside, you look in the mirror and, and you're handsome and pretty still. If you were ugly... <laughs> and you're reborn, you look in the mirror, and you go, did it change? Nah, it's still you. <laughs> God's going God's to use you. Now your smile and your joy and those kind of things will come more alive, and you'll be the best you that you can be. But I'll tell you, you still got what you got, okay? <laughs> and so the outside hasn't been reborn. The mind hasn't been reborn. You know, if, you, if you're a cusser, right, or you think thoughts that you shouldn't think and your spirit is reborn on the inside and you go, I'm not going to deal with that stuff anymore. And all of a sudden someone cuts you off and you throw the F-bomb and give them the bird and you say, what happened? I thought I was reborn. Well, your spirit was reborn, but your mind has to be renewed. Somebody say amen. amen. See, part of you is reborn. Your spirit is reborn. The part that, that God has rebirthed you has been reborn. Inside of you is reborn, but your, your mind's not. So when he says you're a new creation, all things have become new. Your spirit is new. Number four, say number four. How do I receive spiritual life? How do I become born again? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Say that. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, isn't that kind of narrow-minded? What about other religions? What about other ways? 
Aren't there many ways to God? What's the answer? Aren't there other, I mean, there's other good people out there. Aren't those great ways to God? What's the answer? What's the only way to God? Jesus. It's the only way to God. Is Jesus being narrow-minded? Yes. He said the road is narrow, right? Whether he is or whether he isn't, that's the right way. That's the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he says in John 5, 12, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Is that pretty clear? How do you know you have eternal life? If you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, what? You don't have life. How many would say Jesus is better? Yeah. If you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. How do I receive spiritual life? Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us this. If you confess with your mouth, let's say it out loud. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. How do you know that you're saved, you're born again? Well, because I believe. Well, believing's not enough. The Bible says with the heart one believes to righteousness, but with the mouth Confession is made to salvation. If you can't say Jesus is my Lord and my Savior and believe in that in your heart, you can't receive Jesus into your heart. Salvation is received through believing and confessing that Jesus is the Lord. Believing in your heart and confessing. Number five, what is the purpose of baptism? What's the purpose? Well, why do I need to get baptized if I'm already saved? Baptism is a direct commandment of the Lord and for believers only. It's a sign that you're a believer. That's why we don't baptize babies, because not that they're not, they don't believe in Jesus. My four-year-old would say that she believes in Jesus, and I say, where does Jesus live? And she says, inside my heart, but I, I didn't, I'm not going to baptize her yet. My, uh, uh, my, uh, we had an eight-year-old um, and the two older brothers got baptized, you know, and I baptized them a few years ago. And then my eight-year-old said, I want to get baptized. And I said, okay, you tell me what baptism means. And he said, it's when you hold my head underwater and see how long I can hold my breath. <laughs> I said, boy, you ain't getting baptized. I mean, <laughs> baptism is a symbol <laughs> that the old man's gone and the new man's come, right? And then next year we were having baptism and I'd ask him the same question. When are you getting baptized? Uh, what does baptism mean? It means my old life is gone and my new life, I think he rehearsed it all. He wanted to get baptized. <laughs> But he says here, what is baptism? The purpose of it is, baptism is a direct commandment of the Lord and for believers only. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's what we did this morning. Baptism is a symbol of the Christian's identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. All three of those are important. His death, the old man died. His burial, the old man's dead. And his resurrection, the new life has come. Can I tell you, dead men, uh, actually at Disneyland they would say this on Pirates of the Caribbean, dead men tell no tales. Dead, man's, dead, dead men don't sin, right? That's why the Bible says reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God, right? Because we forget and the dead men, we sometimes want to have memories of the dead man and, and give him some preference in our lives, but we can't do that. So that's what baptism says is the old man's going under, new life is coming. It's kind of a personal drama of what's happened on the inside. You know, I didn't remember for many, many years, I had a, a bit of a guilt in my heart 
because people would say, when did you get baptized? And I couldn't remember. I think I was baptized. I asked my mom and my dad, did I get baptized? And they'd say, yeah, yeah, you were baptized. But I couldn't remember. And so in 2009, we were over in Israel, and I was actually baptizing some other people in Israel in, uh, in April. And this was, uh, I got baptized in the Jordan River, okay, uh, in April the 29th in 2009. And that's my uh, two brothers there on my right and my left. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. That's Pastor Carl there on the right. Pastor Carl's going to come out here and speak pretty soon. He's an a, a amazing man of God, mentor in my life. That's my brother Jerry on the left. And so we were baptizing some other people, and I said, hey, we're in the Jordan River. Can you just go ahead and baptize me? But can I tell you, now I remember when people say, were you baptized? I sure was. April 29th, I was baptized. Tell you what, the Jordan River isn't what I thought it was going to be. There was fish swimming under my, you know, fish swimming in my, I'm like, ah, <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I got baptized. You may be in that place where you, you can't remember if you've ever got baptized or maybe you were baptized as a baby. Next time we have baptism, sign up. Come be baptized. Once you get baptized, you don't have to die again. You don't have to, to do that again. But if you haven't done it, do it. Last of all, what now that I've been born again, what do I do now? Well, in the new birth, our spirit is born. It's God's life and nature that comes into your spirit and makes you a new creation on the inside. Our body is not new. <laughs> our minds have not been renewed yet to think like a new creation. <laughs> How many would attest to that? When you were saved, you still had some, yeah, jacked up thoughts. Okay. But Paul, speaking to born-again, spirit-filled believers, he said this. Listen, he said to them, you, and this is to us today here at Memphis Tabernacle, on December the 9th, 2018, you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He tells believers they need to do two things. Listen, if you've been born again, now you have to do two things. Number one, you have to present your body. And number two, you have to renew your mind. Number one, you have to present your body. I'll tell you, one of the best ways I know to present my body is in worship. When we come and we worship God, and I just open my hands up to the Lord as a representation of my heart. I don't do it as a ritual so that God can be pleased with me. God's already pleased with me. I do it as worship. I do it as this Lord is a representation that I'm, I'm born again. That my spirit is brand new. So now I present my body. In fact, in the book of Romans, it says, just as you used to present yourself as instruments of sin, you know, for all this other mess, he says, now present yourself to God as being alive. So worship is one of the best ways. On a daily basis, can I encourage you on a daily basis? You might just want to, instead of get out, getting out of bed to go to the bathroom first thing in the morning, you might just want to roll out of bed and put your knees on the ground. Put your knees on the floor right there and just say, God, I present myself to you. I open up my hands. I present my body. I present my mind to you. I present myself to you. See, your spirit's not the problem. It's the body and the mind, right? Lord, I present myself to you. In fact, right now, just open up your hands. Lord, I open up my hands to you right now. I present my body. Say it out of your mouth. If you're born again, say, I present my body to you today. I present myself to you today. Yes. And then he says, renew your mind. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do you renew your mind? you got to take the Word of God, which was written by the Spirit of God, and put the Word of God in your mind. That's why I hand you notes. 
so that you can take these scriptures and not just go, that was a nice sermon today. I really like the sermon. I don't care if you think it was a nice sermon or not. Did it feed? Did it renew your mind? Did it help you? Did it change your thinking into better thinking? Did it make you walk the way that the Lord would walk in a better way? That's why you take those notes and you continue to renew your mind. Uh, we have small groups that are coming up in, in, um, in January. We're going to have a 28-day boot camp discipleship again. We're going to have a freedom class which deals with all the mess and addictions and things that people would walk through. Someone might say, I don't deal with that stuff. You deal with that stuff. Every person in here has their stuff. But we have a freedom class coming up in January. We have small groups coming up in January. Why is that? So that you can grow. Renew your mind. Get your messed up thoughts saved and and thinking like the Lord. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.